SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. Five and a half minutes after six o'clock. A reminder of our SMS line, 34701. Use the keyword market here on the market update. That's 34701 with the keyword market at a cost of two rand per SMS. It's Hilton Tarrant with you on the market update till 6.30 this evening. First up, as always, Google it Fupi has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Absa Bank, whose platinum exchange-traded products swelled to the second biggest within two months after being listed for trading, expects demand for South African investors to make it the top-ranking fund, and it's now planning a similar, similar product for Palladium. The Johannesburg-based lender says it's working to bring a Palladium ETP to the market as soon as possible and expects it to grow to a significant asset base. The Rand was the best performing currency among its emerging market peers today, strengthening by as much as half a percent against the dollar, despite a rise in U.S. Treasury yields and weaker local bond prices. And StatsSA says the total number of liquidations plunged by 51% year-on-year from 240 in the month of April to 130 in May. Looking at the markets now, the JCO share index has closed in negative territory, down by about 2.5% today at 38,075 points. Looking at the rand, it's at 1010 to the US dollar, 1554 to the pound, and 1323 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,283 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $101, and the platinum price at $1,340 an ounce. Thanks, Gugu. David Shapiro of Sassman. What a day on the market. Yeah, I think Gugu could have put a little bit more energy into that 2.44, because you know, I really was a wham. Congestion. <laughs> Nasal congestion. <laughs> oh, it was awful. 2.5% pretty much across yeah. the board, everywhere you look. It, it is, and I think he, we know, we spoke about it last week, the big worry now is actually China. Mm. China, which is supposed to be the economy that was together with the United States that was going to save the world and uh, um, you know, help Europe recover or help emerging markets uh, pick up as well, is now becoming a, a, a huge concern, and uh, mainly because of these ra- rising uh, money market rates. You know, the, the, the big concerns is that um, smaller and medium banks are not able to finance their funding through the interbank market, and uh, the central bank has held back or just stood back and waiting for natural market forces to take uh, control of the situation. In other words, uh, almost lead to Lehman Brothers type collapse. You know that's what the market's worried about. So a lot of a lot of worries about about these money ra- rates and what they're pointing to. So naturally, there's a bit of panic in the uh, in the market. Not just here, obviously abroad mm. as well. Uh, U.S. markets down well over one and a half percent. The Nasdaq down four percent. Uh, the FTSE in London down by one point four percent. On our market, David, uh, we saw some significant declines today on the market. Vodacom down eight percent on the day. Harmony down eight percent. Pinnacle down six percent. Lonman down six percent. Impala Platinum below ninety. Mm. That's well. It's 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 a major sell-off, and mm. you can't gauge the. The extent, you know, the stocks are being sold off, so it's where there's any demand, they'll sell them down to that kind of demand. Vodacom was, uh, went ex-dividend about 4%, so it's not as bad as that seems. That's the only one I can pretend. Mm. But uh, the miners just uh, being hammered. Why? Of course, because China is still the uh, the biggest off-take for, uh, for minerals. I, I think we'll find a level. I think that... 
Uh, well, we have to is, find it. What, what I mean is that I think it's it's uh, we're not too far away. You know, we're back where we were in around about April, and uh, the Chinese government, somewhere along the line, not wanting to be embarrassed, I think will come through with uh, with support. Whether it's the right thing to do, I'm not you know not saying because I think uh, you know one of the big worries is overcapacity in the system. Um, you sent me a very good article, which uh, which I think could be right as well, saying that um, the reason that U.S. Treasuries are falling and that there's a pullout is that that that, that money is being repatriated. You know, mm. investments into the U.S. are being repatriated to create liquidity in the Chinese market. So I'm sure that there are a lot of flows that are taking place which are disturbing. Uh, you know, balances in markets. Anglo-American just over 200 rand a share, 204. That's a 52-week low. <laughs> Can't say anything more. Mm. And that's on the back of platinum. Gold and platinum both coming down the, the actual minerals, I mean the metals themselves. So, Gold, uh, 1,280. Platinum, yeah, 1,333. Yeah. These, are, these are numbers, mm. as you say, these are numbers we lost saw in April, mm. uh, maybe March, even, even before that. We bounced up from them from 38,000. We quickly recovered to 42,000, but have gone down pretty fast. And unless we get, I don't think this has got anything to do with America. In fact, I think the more you read the American story, the more comfortable you are about the, the, the numbers that are coming out. You know, there's no suggestion of a plunge. The American economy looks like this is, this has to do with, uh, you know, growing, growing worries about not only China, but Russia as well, where, um, you know, growth there is beginning to sag. Oil prices are down. We're still having unrest in, in Brazil, unrest in Turkey. And, um, you know, just emerging markets not coming up to their promise. Just uh, looking at some of the swings, the volatility we are seeing on the top 40 index since the highs at the end of May. The index has had the following consecutive point swings, and this comes to us courtesy of uh, Devin Skitter of, of News Trading. These are approximate intraday movements on the top 40 index. Down 2,200 points, up 1,100 points. Down 2,000 points, up 2,000 points. Down 2,800 points. Mm. That's big. Mm. You know, we're not... One's got to get used to big movements like this, but it can, dis- you know, it can be incredibly disturbing. And you have to compare that with the actual money market rate. So if you look, if you put your money in the bank and you're going to get 5% per year per annum, we do that in a day up mm-hmm. and down, you know, in the market. Uh, or, or, or in two days accumulated. So it gives you an idea of the kind of volatility uh, that you're seeing, you know, how fast money flows in and how fast it can actually reverse. So, so when you talk, you know, to, to old timers like me, when you, when you talk about uh, harmony down 8% on a day, um, this is something you only saw when a market collapsed in a crisis. Um, so it's, it's, it's difficult to consume and to absorb. How many are currently at 34 and 20? This was a share that was at 80 bucks at the beginning of the year. I, I think this is when, when Bernard Swanertoville took over about 10 years ago or greater. That's <laughs> where how many was. So it gives you an idea of, of how far uh, the shares have come down. I think Platinum, I, I, I be, I'm just preparing for a half-year summary, you know, just a, an assessment of where we are, almost a report. And you're still getting the... Richmond and uh, British American Tobacco, SAB, still up in the region of 20-25% in the year, believe it or not. Famous brands, there's still a number of top performers. On the other hand, you've got mining shares like uh, uh, like Anglo Platts and Parlors, like the gold companies, which are down in the region of 50% mm. from the beginning of the year. So, so even though the all share index is only down about 2 or 3% where we are now, it's, it's, 
you've got extremes on either side which actually make up the market. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. 13 minutes after 6. Well, we haven't spoken about the big story today, David, uh, the Competition Commission settlement, and uh, we're going to get into that now uh, and, and dedicate a, a fair amount of time to it. We'll hear from Trudy Makaya, the Deputy Commissioner at the Commission. Uh, what's been very strange, and, and we'll get into a little bit more detail now, now, is how suddenly all the executives of the different construction companies were all very, very busy today. They couldn't really speak to the media. They weren't able to speak to anybody <laughs> and well after paying a 300 million rand fine I mean that's a lot of money that's gone through what what has staggered me is and, and one has to give credit to the uh, competition mm. commission for going through with it and actually going over four years and finding the evidence um, that has led to what's it 50 I think there are three companies that still have to pay yeah. I think group five is one that hasn't I finalized it, but 15 companies have actually admi- not admitted, I don't know what the correct wording is, settled, settled mm. uh, these fines, obviously not wanting to take this further. And, you know, I, I'm surprised that a company like Wilson Bailey, whom we always held in high, high esteem, and I mean, have always, uh, you know, paid the biggest fine, which is 311 million, you know, which is a mammoth amount. Let's get the background now. These fines totaling one and a half billion as uh, part of the so-called fast track investigation into anti-competitive behaviour in the uh, construction centre. Until now, we've only known the quantum of the Stefanuti stocks and the Robex settlements. Those companies chose to make those amounts public uh, a number of months ago. The fines range from 155,000 rand in the Esau Frankie's case to four fines of over 300 million rand. That's for Stefanuti as well as Avenge, Marion Roberts and WBHO. Earlier, I spoke with Trudy Makaya, Deputy Commissioner at the Competition Commission, and asked about the scope of the investigation, how many projects, how many companies involved, what were the values of those projects. Thanks, Hilton. We looked at um, 21 companies initially that responded to the Commission's invitation to disclose anti-competitive behaviour. Um, as you know, we, we had asked the industry to come forward with such instances after some of our early investigations um, into the industry suggested that their conduct was widespread. Um, they revealed 300 projects um, that had been subject to bid rigging and 140 of those were within the three-year period um, that we are able to prosecute because we can only prosecute conduct that's happened three, within three years before the initiation of an investigation. So that took us to 140 projects. Um, the process ran at, concurrently or in parallel with our corporate leniency program. Mm. So the first um, company to disclose a project and uh, to apply for immunity for it would, ga- would gain immunity. And so three companies um, gained immunity for all their projects. Um, so we were left with 18 companies. And today we announced settlement agreements with 15 of those. Trudy, what types of projects are these? Are these projects in the public sector? Were there projects in the private sector? There's been a lot of speculation about uh, the World Cup Stadia being involved in in this whole investigation. Yes. Um, So for the World Cup Stadia, some companies um, have settled those and others um, have not um, settled them. Um, You know, we've got a full deed. We've got a summary um, on on our website. But um, the World Cup Stadia, um, there is a meeting where it was um, decided to allocate the projects among um, certain competitors. 
Um, and so those um, have been part of the settlement agreements for some of the firms. Um, we also have, um, it's both public and private, but, you know, in terms of value, it's, it's um, quite skewed towards uh, public sector projects. Um, we have um, a lot of projects, road projects mm. uh, by Senral, including the Gauteng Freeway Improvement Projects, um, all the way to, you know, small rural roads in Mount Freer. Uh, we've got uni- a university in terms of its um, residents, uh, its women's residents. Um, and some, you know, we've got the uh, Durban International Convention Center. So that just gives you a flavor of the different kinds um, of projects involved. We've got dams. In the private sector, we've got factories, um, shopping centers. So it's, it's quite extensive and varied in terms of the types of projects. Now, the Fast Track settlement process was launched in February of 2011. Uh, it's now two and a half years down the line. Why did this take as long as it did, Trudy? Well, I think just the volume, the sheer volume of the mm. number of firms involved. Um, and we had to, you know, cross-check information. We had to um, verify that we have um, all the information that we need. And as you'll see from today's announcement, not every project that's come to light is being settled. Um, we also have projects where, you know, a firm disclosing information um, didn't disclose a specific project, but another firm implicates it. So there's a bit of um, investigation that goes into that. So even though it was a fast-track settlement pro, you know, process, we still had to apply our minds. We still had to verify and investigate um, some of the information. And we, we, we're going to have a phase two to this project where we then look at those that have not been settled, but we've gathered evidence. So it, it has been um, a very extensive process. It would have taken much longer had we tried to um, investigate each firm as a, you know, as, as a distinct case um, mm. or every project as a distinct case. So, I mean, two and a half years um, to look into 20, the conduct of 21 companies, I think, in terms of our usual investigations, we've done well. That second phase you speak of where there are still outstanding issues and projects that need to be investigated, is that a significant amount of, of work that's still outstanding? No. I mean, relative to the settlement, um, it's, um, you know, in terms of orders of magnitude, it's, it's far less work. But it's still uh, projects that we would investigate thoroughly. Um, this time we would be taking a case-by-case approach because they wouldn't have used the opportunity um, of fast-track settlement. So we expect that could be about a six- to one-year uh, process of um, prosecuting those remaining projects because obviously it's important when we've had this process and people have come forward with evidence that we follow up properly um, and, and prosecute those cases. Trudy, how did the Commission arrive at the penalty figures per firm? Was this a, a very complicated calculation? We tried to, you know, to... Be faithful to the provisions in the Act and the guidance in the Competition Act, where obviously, you know, the more severe the contravention, you'd want a higher penalty. Mm. Um, even though we're treating the projects, you know, each company's projects um, on an aggregate basis, putting them in a basket, the more projects a firm um, has in that basket, the higher the, the percentage um, range that they would fall into. So we, we came up with kind of a, a, a rule book where we said, you know, if this is the number of contraventions, if it's how serious they are, and, you know, seriousness would be determined by was there a margin that was explicitly fixed, was there a loser's fee um, that was explicitly, you know, included in the contract. So, you know, th- those considerations, um, were there any um, mitigating factors like the fact that, you know, a company would have cooperated given all the information 
we required. So just on balance of those factors, we then came up uh, with the penalties. And, you know, the percentages do vary across the different companies to reflect um, the severity of the conduct by each firm. In terms of those proposed penalties, obviously the tribunal still has to approve those. The timeline of this, uh, are we still a couple of months out, or is this a relatively quick process whereby the the tribunal would actually approve the, the penalties? Well, we have a lot of firms, and of course the tribunal also has to apply itself, its mind um, has to, you know, probe um, the basis for the settlements. Um, but we hoping that within the next two months um, they will be heard at the tribunal. That's Trudy Makaya, the Deputy Commissioner at the Competition Commission. David, absolutely astonishing. World Cup Stadia, the Gauteng Freeway Project, all the freeways we're seeing here in Gauteng, a UCT residence. You know, the worst thing is that the shame that it actually brings to business at a time where we're criticizing government for corruption, for greed, for so many other things. You know, you now have to face the private sector doing these kind of things, sitting around a table. I don't know the detail, but these are companies that have been listed on the JSC for a long time that, that probably adhere to King 1, 2, and 3, etc., mm. but don't adhere, you know, just, just sit down there and, and divvy things up. So I, it's, it's, it's very hard to know what the next step is after this and, and how they're going to get out of it. Just listening to some of the reactions we've had from the companies, uh, none of the companies are available to talk to us this evening. Basil Reed's chief executive. They probably all sat around the table and said, okay, we're not going to talk to the press. <laughs> Basil Reed's chief executive, Marius Haynes, uh, telling our executive producer, Janine Bester, he's had enough, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he's had enough of the media and doesn't really want to talk about this. This is behind him. We have to commend Roger Jardine, though, of Avenge, the chief executive of Avenge, uh, the company hosting a conference call at 4 o'clock this afternoon where he read out a prepared statement, was willing to take questions. Ironically, no questions uh, forthcoming from, from participants to that call, but the only person that put up his hand and said, We'll Probably because he wasn't involved. Mm. I don't know whether he was. I, how long has Roger been there? A year Five years. As, well, then he actually, wasn't. Right. No, he he actually explained yeah, it in the in yeah. the in the call that uh, mm. the the investigation started as he got there. Okay, all right. That's why he's he can take the high moral ground in in addressing these issues. And he has in the past, David. When we've spoken mm. to him, he's, he's mm. spoken about it, and it's it's really useful to get his mm. perspective, given that he is an outsider. Uh, we, we listened to that call this afternoon, and uh, this is something new as far as uh, we know from, from Avenge. Here's Roger Jardine on the cooperation of former management and former employees at, at the company. It is important to note that despite ongoing efforts, Avenge was unable to gain the cooperation of those few key former employees who, based upon the information conveyed by the Competition Commission, had knowledge of the collusion. This situation severely prejudiced Avenger's position with regards to firstly obtaining leniency and secondly the ability to accurately verify the evidence submitted to the the competition authorities by other firms. For the purposes of settlement, Avenger relied on the evidence presented to it by the Commission. In the above circumstances, Avenge believes that it has mitigated its risk correctly and appropriately by settling all outstanding matters. 
Avenge does not intend to expose itself further in terms of additional and onerous financial penalties, further legal expenses and management's time, by arguing any matters in the tribunal. David, can you actually believe what you're hearing? You're hearing a chief executive of a company who wasn't involved at the time basically saying that none of the former employees and senior managers uh, could provide any evidence and therefore they had to rely on what the commission said. If the commission said, Avenge, you did X, Y, Z, they had to put up their hands and say, okay, fine. Well, what else can they do? You know, uh, um, they can't contest that in court. I mean, if evidence comes against them, um, they've got no one that's standing up for their case. So you can understand the position they're in. But, you know, what I still can't get to, and uh, I'm sure you're going you're gonna, to, you're gonna to, we'll get to the, is where, how they sat around the table and who was there, who kept minutes and how they eventually decided. Was this just informal meetings in a restaurant or whatever? That's the big question that remains um, outstanding. There's a big question as well about civil litigation and how this now exposes these companies uh, to litigation. Here's Roger Jardine again on, on this topic. As shareholders are aware, there has been widespread media coverage relating to potential civil damages claims arising as a result of these historical collusive practices. While it is inappropriate and premature to speculate on whether such actions will come to fruition, Avenge will consider and deal with each potential claim appropriately at the relevant time. We will continue to effectively mitigate any risk we may face in this regard. Civil damages litigation arising from cartel conduct is a new area of law in South Africa, and we have been advised that to date, no private litigant in South Africa has concluded an action in the civil courts for damages suffered as a result of anti-competitive practices. That's Roger Jardini, the chief executive of Avenge. And once again, we have to really commend Avenge for being as transparent as they have been. Obviously, there are unique circumstances there, given that he wasn't in the industry at all to begin with. Sure, and uh, I, I'm sure that he wants to clear his own name and he wants to clear the company's mm. name. I wonder if there's any way that, as a shareholder, you know, you can take action against the company for for their conduct. You know, whether there are mm. cases or when anybody would ever have the courage to actually uh, take it up against them. You know, 300 million uh, is, is 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 a lot of money, particularly. Um, in some of these companies. In yes. Stefanuti's life, it's a massive amount know, of money, David. It is a huge amount. And, uh, of course, you go, I mean, there's actual losses being suffered. This mm. cash has to be paid out. The fact that the market has discounted it and it's just moving on is, is, is another issue. But the, the companies have lost that cash. Well, Group 5, uh, it brought uh, the, the conduct to the attention of the competition authority. So it's been granted leniency. There's still a technicality around one outstanding case that needs to be sorted out there. Uh, Basil Reed, as I said, that was Marius Heinz's response. Uh, Marion Roberts, the provision that they had, the amount they provided for, not materially higher, they fine. Uh, Henry Lars, the chief executive there, has undertaken to speak to us on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So we'll hear from uh, Marion Roberts then. And WBHO, uh, this is the statement we've received from that company. WBHO is going back through all the documents and does not wish to be interviewed at this stage. We had to go back five years and 2,200 bids to find our first contravention. 
expansion. We note that as the largest company in our industry, our fine of 311 million is 3.9% of turnover. We note that in our building division, which generates 5 billion rand a year, there were no contraventions in the Gauteng and Western Cape where 75% of this turnover takes place. WBHO has compliance training and self-certification of executives in place to prevent non-compliance of competition regulations in the future. The board and management are totally committed to upholding ethical business standards. That gives you some perspective. uh, Yeah, it does. It means that uh, the way I'm reading that is that they didn't, you know, who who actually (laughs) divvied up, you know, Mm. who was responsible? I mean, in so many of them, you know, was it at the top? Was it middle management? How did they ever decide to actually do it? It's still not clear. This is one that we're going to have to be watching for quite some time indeed. Uh, That uh, was David Shapiro there before him. uh, We heard from Roger Jardini, Chief Executive of Avenge, also Trudy Makaya, the Deputy Commissioner at the Competition Commission. Well, it was a day where the JSE ended down 2.4%, 38,075 points on the all-share. Broad sell-off pretty much uh, down between 2 and 2.5% across the board on the market. U.S. markets are down. Uh, the Dow Jones is down by 1.6%, and NASDAQ down by 4%. The Rand, 10.10 against the US dollar. A barrel of Brent is at $100. Gold is at $1,279 an ounce. And platinum, $1,326. Well, this has been the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Full transcripts online at www.moneyweb.co.za. We're back at 6 o'clock tomorrow. It's 6.30 now, and time for Game Plan.